Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, December 22nd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. We are getting close. It is Festivus Eve, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. December 23rd, a Festivus for the rest of us. we got a special show for tomorrow's Festivus. We'll be having an airing of the grievances Followed by the feats of strength, we will all gather around the unadorned aluminum pole and celebrate a festivus for the rest of us. But for today's show, let me start with an apology for missing you yesterday. So sorry, live listeners. I was literally just 10 minutes to go for the show and my laptop crapped out on me. Couldn't get it back online before showtime, so we just had to scuttle the show. Sorry about that, but we did get some writing done. Check out weednews.co if you want to see some of my latest blog posts and uh, charts and stats that I've been digging up over these past couple of days. Coming up on today's show, we've got some of those stats and charts to discuss. But first, we'll start off with the Cannabis Radio News. And in our headlines today, we've got a new licensing decision from the city of Portland regarding marijuana delivery services. We've got a new license uh, being uh, issued in Florida for their new medical marijuana program. In Denmark, the city of Copenhagen is battling the federal officials on its plans to legalize cannabis. We've got a new dispensary business in Maui, Hawaii, with an interesting uh, take on how they're going to run their dispensary. The governor of Maine, Paul LePage, is completely off his rocker, although I don't suppose that's actually news, is it? And in Maricopa County, the uh, pot-hating attorney there, Bill Montgomery, the county attorney, uh, is still fighting legalization, going to take it all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court. We'll tell you all about that coming after the first break. Also on the show today in Behind the Headlines, our Cannabis Focus will take a look at the sixth straight 2016 national poll showing majority support for marijuana legalization. The hits just keep on coming. And uh, we'll take a special look back at some predictions by the quarterback of the anti-legalization movement, Mr. Kevin Sabet, and how he said legalization would be its own worst enemy. Yep, any minute now. I'm sure that's going to kick in. Also on the show today, we'll go to the drug war data mines, where we've got a new study that takes a look at traffic fatalities in the states that have adopted medical marijuana and access to marijuana dispensaries. Then, as we get to half past, we'll have time for our Cultivator's Corner, where we're joined by the legendary Jorge Cervantes. He's going to be telling us all about uh, using neem oil and other methods to help protect your plants from pests. That's coming up at half past in our Cultivator's Corner. Also, make sure you check out to his website, MarijuanaGrowing.com, for plenty of information on how to cultivate your favorite plant. Then at the end of the show today, in hour one, we'll have time for a radical rant where I'm going to talk about a bill being proposed in the California Assembly to issue a blanket ban on all marijuana billboard advertising, or 
about all of it, just about all of it. We'll talk about that coming up in the Radical Rant at the end of Hour 1. Then we take things into Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, where you are the voice of the marijuana nation. Our phone line is open 24-7-365. You can leave a message or call us live in the 4 o'clock hour at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. In Hour 2, we're going to talk about the fired-up activists of 2016. We'll also take a look at a study showing that people at higher risk for schizophrenia are likelier to try marijuana. That old uh, gateway theory being reversed here. Also, a look at my uh, one of my favorite red states, the Lone Star State of Texas, and how it may be moving toward decriminalization. Plus, whatever topics we come around to, thanks to your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We're back with the news right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash. And I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 22nd, 2016. Oregon's largest city has voted to allow marijuana delivery service licensing, according to reports in The Oregonian. Career businesses can now produce marijuana and other cannabis products. However, they can only sell it through delivery. Like other marijuana businesses, couriers need licenses that are procured by from the city and are permitted 
building in an area only where it's allowed by city zoning rules. All marijuana retailers licensed by the city must first obtain a license from the Oregon Liquor Control Commission. The couriers cannot sell pot from storefronts, and they can open their licensed headquarters near other marijuana businesses. Traditional retailers and dispensaries must keep their shops at least 1,000 feet apart. Less than two weeks before Florida's constitutional amendment expanding the legal use of medical marijuana takes effect, the state's Department of Health has approved a seventh nursery license and could be on the verge of adding at least one more. Department spokeswoman Sarah Ravel said they have reached an agreement with McRory's Sunny Hill Nursery for the seventh license. The nursery is affiliated with Grow Healthy and will operate an indoor facility in Lake Worth. The department also agreed to settle with Plants of Ruskin and Three Boys Farm. Both nurseries are working on potential terms to present to the department. That would resolve the last of the 13 administrative challenges filed by nurseries not selected for the first five licenses last December by the Office of Compassionate Use. Amendment 2, which was approved by 71% of Florida voters, takes effect on January 3rd. Copenhagen officials are trying to legalize cannabis despite the Danish government rejecting a proposed trial three times previously. The city government, led by Mayor Frank Jensen, has made its fourth formal request that the capital is allowed to carry out a trial legalization program where sales are exclusively handled by public authorities. The coalition of the left-wing Red-Green Alliance and the libertarian-leaning Liberal Alliance said the trial is necessary to prevent the increasing number of shootings in the city, which they believe are linked to rival gangs attempting to control the local market. A Maui-Hawaii business that received a license to sell medical marijuana has revealed plans for its new dispensary, which will include space for a public marijuana education center. Pono Life Services Maui LLC unveiled the Kahului dispensary to a group of politicians, community leaders, and others Friday. The business is not yet selling medicinal marijuana because it hasn't gotten permission from the State Department of Health to begin production, the Maui News reported. CEO Michael Takano said the dispensary will feature a public education and retail area that will serve as a waiting area for those who accompany medical marijuana card holders to the facility. A restricted section with a lobby and dispensary will be accessible only to patients. Maine's Republican Governor Paul LePage has a history of interpreting the state constitution in ways that are later discredited, but that didn't stop him from lobbying more dubious claims this week. In a Tuesday interview with WVOM-FM, LePage claimed Maine's constitution says approved ballot referendums are just, quote, recommendations that the legislature doesn't even have to enact, end quote. Experts on Maine's constitution say LePage's interpretation is incorrect. In the radio interview, LePage repeated his belief that Maine voters didn't understand the minimum wage hike and marijuana legalization initiatives they approved. He claimed he can't move forward with marijuana legalization without legal advice and perhaps $5 million approved by legislators. His administration recently announced it is delaying full implementation of the minimum wage hike for three weeks, while legislators consider tweaking the law as approved by voters. Maricopa County Attorney Bill Montgomery says he'll ask the Arizona Supreme Court to review a lower court's ruling that the state's medical marijuana law is constitutional in requiring counties to approve reasonable zoning regulations. The Court of Appeals ruling Tuesday rejected Montgomery's argument that the state medical marijuana law is preempted by the Federal Controlled Substances Act, a federal law that still makes marijuana illegal. The case in the appeal decided by the appeals court started with a legal dispute over whether Maricopa County officials had to approve zoning for a medical marijuana dispensary in Sun City. 
Montgomery reacted to the latest ruling by saying that allowing Arizona's medical marijuana program to stand despite federal law undermines federalism and the fundamental principle of the rule of law. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, December 22nd, We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants... Healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. The International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at some polls in the United States regarding the issue of marijuana legalization. And the news we have for you today is that the sixth straight poll this year has shown majority support for marijuana legalization nationwide. Now, let me read to you a prediction that we got way back in January of 2014, almost three years ago, from Kevin Sabet, who said, quote, On January 1st, 2014, Colorado made history as the first jurisdiction in the modern era to license the retail sales of marijuana. Colorado's experience, ironically, might eventually teach us that legalization's worst enemy is itself. Constantly downplaying the risks of marijuana, its advocates have promised reduction in crime, flowing tax revenue, and little in the way of negative effects on youth. We shouldn't hold our breath, though. End quote. That's right. That's Kevin Sabet, the quarterback of the anti-legalization movement, who founded the nation's leading anti-legalization organization, Project SAM, three years ago in January. That was an op-ed in the Washington Times he wrote entitled, Colorado will show why legalizing marijuana is a mistake. 
Well, Sabet was certain that once the specter of big marijuana was unleashed on the American public, well, we'd see the results of this predatory drug industry luring our kids into a life of stoned depravity. We'd see increases in crime, social costs that dwarf the tax revenues, and then we'd all come to our senses and come to oppose marijuana legalization. Unfortunately for Sabet, American pollsters keep asking us what we think of marijuana legalization, and despite big marijuana establishing a foothold in three states already, we keep saying that we support marijuana legalization. That culminated in four more states passing legalization in the past election. Now, today, the Harris poll is the latest and probably the last in 2016 to ask about marijuana legalization. 50% of its respondents support legalization, and that's up a point from the time they asked last year. Out of the six polls that have asked the question this year, the Harris poll has the lowest level of support. The AP, Gallup, and PRI polls all recorded support at 60% or higher. So at least half the polls taken this year are over 60%, folks. So how is it? That after three years of legal marijuana sales in Colorado, two and a half years of legal marijuana sales in Washington, and one and a half years of legal marijuana sales in Oregon, the American public still overwhelmingly supports marijuana legalization. Could it be because the people in those three states seem to think their legalization is a success? We reported uh, earlier on how the latest poll shows 66% of those of us in Oregon view marijuana legalization favorably. We passed it two years ago with 56%. It's up to 66% support now. In uh, Colorado, they took a poll. They asked people, would you support an amendment to repeal Colorado's Amendment 64? 51% of the people responding to that say they'd oppose any such amendment to repeal legalization. And in uh, Washington state, they asked whether or not people would switch their vote on I-502. Knowing what you know now, would you switch your vote on I-502? Less than 5% who voted for I-502 would vote against it, whereas 14% who voted against it would change their vote to yes. So in all three states that have had to suffer the indignity and the assault of big marijuana on their children, uh, all three states support it more now. (laughs) Or could it be because Sabet's scaremongering about the youth use increases have proven unfounded? We have found since the advent of the marijuana legalization era in 2012, the younger teen use of marijuana has declined dramatically, and the oldest teen use of marijuana has remained steady. And four of the five states and D.C. that had marijuana legalization last year saw declines in teen marijuana use. Three of those declines were in the top ten in the country. Or Or is it because... The fear that there'd be stoned mayhem on the freeways, that just never materialized. We're going to talk about this in the next uh, segment uh, in Drug War Data Mining, how medical marijuana states have lower traffic fatality rates and how in the state of Colorado, fewer people were charged with stone driving in 2015. 
Or could it be because the marijuana tax revenues have far exceeded any imaginary social costs that Kevin Sabet won't quantify? I mean, Colorado shops have already sold a billion dollars in the first 10 months of 2016, and weed in Colorado alone has a $2.4 billion economic impact and has created 18,000 full-time equivalent positions. Creating jobs, bringing in tax revenue, not hurting the kids, not leading to stone mayhem on the freeways. Won't somebody please think of the children? Well, we are thinking of the children, and it seems to be that legalization isn't hurting them. And whatever the reason is, since Kevin Sabet wrote that op-ed, there have been 22 national polls on legalizing. Only one of those polls showed more opposition than support. I don't know about you, but if my team's quarterback was 1-21 and after three seasons, I'd demand the coach send him to the bench. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage 4 cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. It's time to Hemp Present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at a story that's up on the Washington Post that says states with medical marijuana laws have lower traffic fatality rates. What do you know? It's amazing. Yes. So uh, according to the Post, uh, states with medical marijuana laws have fewer traffic fatalities than those without, especially among younger drivers, a new study has found. You would think crash rates might be higher, supposing that more drivers are too, but no. Researchers at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health found an 11% reduction in traffic fatalities on average when examining places that have enacted medical marijuana laws. 23 states and the District of Columbia at the time. The the presence of medical marijuana dispensaries also correlated with fewer traffic fatalities, the study found. That's right. We are discovering that the more access people have to medical marijuana or just more access to marijuana, period, is leading to fewer traffic fatalities. Um, They did say that... uh, that not all states with medical marijuana laws experienced reductions in the traffic fatality rates. California and New Mexico experienced initial reductions of 16% and 17.5%, but then saw gradual increases in their traffic fatality rates. They took into account uh, the graduated driver license laws. That's where, you know, you go from being a teenager who can drive in the daytime, then a teenager who can drive at night with uh, adult supervision, etc. They took a look at median household income, unemployment rates, uh, the speed limit increases, laws on seatbelts, bans on cell phones and texting while driving. They tried to deal with any sort of confounding variables. And once they did, they found that the uh, states with medical marijuana, especially if they had access to medical marijuana dispensaries, had lower traffic fatality rates. Decrease of 11%. One out of nine is the reduction there. Nine people that might have died in traffic fatalities, you're going to save one of them by implementing access to marijuana in your state. Now, the associate professor who uh, was a part of this study, Sylvia Martins, her theory is that the lower traffic fatality rates might be related to lower levels of alcohol-impaired driving. People, especially younger people, began substituting weed for booze. And they found that that was the case. They found that uh, the older folks, 45 and older, they didn't see much reduction. But 18 to 45, they did see this reduction. Access to marijuana leading to lower uh, use of alcohol. We've seen uh, a story I reported a couple days ago on the beer sales in the states of Colorado, Washington, and Oregon are underperforming compared to the rest of the nation and compared to historical norms. This is something that's both, uh, this is a double-edged sword. Uh, It's a good thing in that uh, we are seeing the public health benefits of this, fewer traffic fatalities, as this study points out, and all the other sorts of problems that we see with the excess of alcohol in in our culture. But this realization also gives power to another possible opponent with very deep pockets, the alcoholic beverage industry and other ancillary industries like restaurants, hotels, and gaming that depend on the lubrication of alcohol to keep their profits high. The more these industries start to recognize how marijuana is going to be a substitute good, how people are going to put down the bottle and pick up the bong, 
is going to lead them to want more restrictions. We see this in them fighting for restrictions on advertising so that they uh, don't have to compete in the advertising marketplace with marijuana. We see this in restrictions in public use, not allowing there to be any sort of marijuana lounges, or if there are, those marijuana lounges cannot have alcohol. Seems uh, contradictory. You'd think that uh, they'd want there to be alcohol in the, in the marijuana lounge to possibly keep their profits up, but they know there's more money to be made by forcing people to choose. If you're the marijuana smoker and you've got a bunch of friends that are the beer drinkers and they have to choose which place to go to, if you all could go to the same place, it's not as likely to increase the booze sales and decrease the weed sales as your eight beer drinking friends forcing you to have to go to the beer location. That's the uh, kind of math I suspect that they're doing right there in, uh, in the alcohol industry. The uh, evidence is also showing that the, uh, the increase in marijuana availability makes this difference. They compared the medical marijuana states that had kind of dysfunctional or non-functioning dispensary systems versus the states that had the functional dispensary systems and those had lower uh, had greater reductions in the traffic fatality rates so it's not just whether or not we stop punishing people for the use of marijuana that makes a difference but whether or not they can actually get their hands on the marijuana that is making the difference our culture is going to have to go through an extreme paradigm shift here from the alcohol-fueled culture that we've all come to uh, experience in this country, where it's a just a fact of life that alcohol is everywhere you look and everywhere you go, to a system that's going to recognize a safer alternative to that alcohol, a system that's going to recognize that cannabis is a legitimate choice. And it'll be interesting to see as time goes on and there's more and more national support, understanding, and acceptance of cannabis – Whether or not our public health agencies may start to steer people toward cannabis rather than alcohol. Wouldn't that be nice to see a public health campaign telling us to put down the bottle and pick up the bong? Maybe I'll live that long. We shall see. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got Jorge Cervantes joining us in our Cultivator's Corner. Tips for the cannabis cultivators out there. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bud tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult-use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume-building help. 
Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. They say marijuana grows like a weed, but growing high-quality marijuana takes more than just throwing a seed in the ground. Join us as we speak with the most recognized cannabis horticulturists in the world and take your live grow questions in our Cultivator's Corner. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to our Cultivator's Corner. Joining us by telephone, we've got Jorge Cervantes on the line. Jorge, how you doing? Real good, Russ. It's great to be here. Where are you? I'm actually, um, I'm up in, in uh, Redding, California. I thought I'd be able to make it all the way to Weed, California, <laughs> be, uh, and I'm on my way uh, before the show. But anyway, yeah, I'm on my way up to uh, Oregon. Right on. So I, I would have loved to have talked to you live videos. from Weed. That would have been pretty cool. So you're coming up here to Oregon. <laughs> it's Croptober is happening. Harvests are happening. And we got questions that are building up in our chat room and plus our live call line is open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. And uh, so what's happening up in Oregon for you? Well, I've got some, a family event to go to, and then also I'm going to go back to uh, southern Oregon and take a lot of video of the harvest that's going on now. Yeah, it's it's amazing down there in southern Oregon. I've seen, you know, 15 foot, 20 foot plants, you know, five pound yield. It's It's remarkable what they do down there. Yeah, actually, they're doing better than that. Uh, they were saying they had up to 15 pounds uh, two years ago. Oh. That was a great year to grow. And uh, this year, I'm, I'm hoping to see, I mean, I'm sure I'll see lots and lots of 10-pound plants. Yeah, they're I, huge down there. It's yeah, amazing. It's just it's just amazing. And and uh, part of what uh, kind of developed that was Oregon's initial you know medical marijuana law and and you know setting a plant limit. And so everybody said, oh well, we can only have this many plants. We better make them as big as we can. And boy, they sure did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. It was it was really good because I remember years ago we were growing five pound plants, and that we thought that was the limit. 
But all they had to do was give us another goal, and of course we're going to meet it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Now, we've got a a question from our uh, chat room, a couple of them building up here. One that asks about, uh, well, you know, everybody knows you from your grow books and your grow videos, but they want to know if you're going to be getting involved in the grow market legally as either a licensed grower or maybe one of the pick and shovel guys selling, you know, tools and and, uh, accessories and stuff. What are your what are your plans to grow your business as marijuana becomes legal? Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I that that's a real good question, Russ, and it, it's something I I I fight with all the time. It's, I, I'm pretty burned out, you know. I mean, I've been at this <laughs> 33 years publicly, and so uh, and I I've, I've always worked on my own and and stuff. So now I've got a couple of opportunities. I don't know. We'll just see how everything works out one's with a uh, seed company and the others with uh, doing some cultivation stuff so we'll see how it works out but it's it's really a bit early to tell um to be honest i could go either way <laughs> you know uh, jorge we could go either... we could go really old school and you could sell the jorge cervantes halloween disguise costume you go back to the old school <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's true. I, actually, some people have gone, come as me for Halloween or that, gone as me to the – yeah. That's amazing. That's pretty interesting. Uh, another so, question here, yeah. since you're uh, talking to us from California, our listeners wanted to know, uh, they've read a lot about there being drought over the past few years in California. Is that still the case? Is it affecting the harvest and the crops? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's not affecting the harvest as much, but uh, there is a drought going on now, and there has been for some years. Uh, where I live in Sonoma, California, uh, we're hoping for a little bit of rain on Sunday, but most all of that rain stays, uh, well, basically north of, uh, in, in a long ways north in California. So, uh, yeah, I've definitely seen big problems. Uh, but like I say, it's just, it costs more water, it's more work. I haven't seen it really cut the crop, per se. So we could still get uh, quality uh, buds out of this harvest, just maybe not as many, and they cost more? Hey, well, no, I don't know if they'll cost more, because everybody's growing a lot of cannabis now. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, people are really doubling down on their crops, uh, growing two, three times, four times as much as the as, uh, year before. Because what everybody's concerned about is is uh, when the law passes and we have some really stiff regulations to deal with, uh, we're going to have to conform here in California. And I think people are looking at this year and next year as the last years that it's going to be kind of a um, free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there's so going to be a lot of... Uh, a lot of upheaval in some of those northern uh, California economies as well as they try to adjust to this. Everything's going to change like night and day. Uh, it's a pretty rough one now. In fact, I'm, I'm going to present a seminar at the uh, Canna Expo Grow in uh, let's see, at the end of this or end of end of October in Denver. And one of the things I started thinking about for the for the seminar was how much. How much does it cost to grow inside, indoors, outdoors, and uh, in a greenhouse? And it is amazing. It's like three times, maybe four times. Depends on you know some a few things. But uh, to grow indoors as it is to grow in a greenhouse or outdoors. So we're going to see all kinds of people growing outdoors and in greenhouses. 
And then after that, we're also going to see uh, they're going to start using tractors and, and farm implements, and they're going to have to start growing on flat land because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many uh, grow, grow situations I've been in or grow, grows that I've been at, and it takes you a half hour on a dirt road to get there, yeah. and that's not real efficient, you know? So we're going to see a lot of big changes, and it's going to be good and bad. There's going to be winners and losers. No kidding. It happens in just about every uh, major technological or regulatory change. We see that sort of effect. We're speaking with Jorge Cervantes. Our phone line is open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. If you've got a question for one of the most legendary cannabis cultivators out there. And we've got one from our chat room, Jorge. He's asking, or he's saying that he recently started using neem oil and is having really good results with it. What can you say about neem oil and how often to apply it and when should you stop using it? Well, neem oil is really good stuff. Um, actually, there's, there's several neem products. There's, there's what well, you can get, neem soap, for example, neem toothbrush or uh, toothpaste and whatnot. But you can also get it uh, in oil form and, and in a concentrate and then... Let's see, I forget exactly how it works with the Azimax. There's also another product called Azimax that's a real heavy-duty concentrate of the neem. Uh, but, but it, gosh, it, it's broad-spectrum. It'll kill everything, so you've got to remember that. And it's a little heavy. It leaves a little bit of a film on the, on the leaves. So I wouldn't use it too close to harvest. And then uh, you can use it like, you know, a month. A month, maybe a couple of weeks before harvest, but that's gotten a little close. And then after you use it, or when you harvest, just rinse your uh, buds off, your harvested buds off, in uh, water that's had some H2O2, hydrogen peroxide, added to it. And that'll rinse everything off and take any residuals away. So you can use it really... You can use it up till harvest, but I don't know. I still have kind of a weird feeling about that. All right. Great question. And uh, I know a lot of people are asking that one and trying to uh, take care of pest management and mold and mildew and all the other terrible things that can happen. Uh, at this point, as we're reaching the harvest season, uh, are there... Are there things that can't be fixed? Like you get your crop, it's time to harvest, and you're just going to have to destroy it because there's no saving it. What are the what are the big crop killers? <laughs> oh, the biggest one that some people get really, really bad is powdery mildew. And once that takes over your plants, a lot of times, you know, um, people will still consume it with powdery mildew on it. They'll just wash off everything on the outside. But... Um, you know, that's really not a good idea to consume tainted cannabis like that, uh, especially if you have any any type of um, respiratory problems. Uh, so that's probably the biggest one, and I've seen it kill entire crops. Then bud mold is also big, but that you can cut out. You can just cut that right out of the bud. And then other things like, well, usually it happens earlier in the year, when there's less water around, the, the rodents will come in and girdle, girdle the plant. And, you know, there's no turning back from that one. Mm. Um, also, and, and here's something that's really important, especially now during harvest time. Because, like, uh, last night it dipped down to, like, 45 degrees in, in Sonoma. 
And that's pretty cool. So if people go and start watering their plants a lot, and especially late in the day, and it and it it they don't need so much water, well, that water will stay in there, and it'll start to uh, uh, drown the roots. And when the roots drown, they rot. So when they start rotting, um, a fungus starts. So that's the other thing. Be real careful with watering, especially overwatering late in the day now. Yeah, that's that's yeah, those are the three biggest things I think. All right. Great advice. And of course, folks, you can find more of this great advice at Jorge's website, marijuanagrowing.com, or his YouTube channel, where there's some great videos out. And you can get the uh, Cannabis Encyclopedia, which is an amazing tome of uh, a wealth of, of cannabis cultivation knowledge. Uh, any uh, appearances or places that you'd like to mention as far as people getting a book or, or an autograph? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, as far as getting a book, you know, most people buy it on Amazon because it's a fifty-dollar book, and the thing's huge. You know, the the cannabis encyclopedia I'm referring to, and uh, so it, since it's a fifty-dollar book, Amazon ca- discounts everything down, and they discounted it down to thirty-five. So it's a fair deal there, and a lot of the some of the growth stores won't. Or a lot of the growth stores are still apprehensive to carry grow books or marijuana books, and some of the dispensaries do. So and then, but I'll tell you, all of the all of the bookstores carry it. Except there's one big problem: is usually they don't order enough, and it's it's not in stock. Hmm. So that's why I say to, say go to Amazon. All right, uh, we got a, a chatter here. Wants to know how about an autographed copy? You got some events coming up where they can uh, stop by and get your autograph on it. Uh, yeah, I'll be like I said in Denver. Let's see. Let me. I've got my that file open. My travel file. Um, yeah, I'll be in Denver. Oh, I guess I closed it. Uh, at the end of this month, and then I'll be at uh, the big fair. That's again. a uh, pre-recorded interview that we have with uh, Jorge Cervantes from earlier in the year. We're unable to get a hold of Jorge live today. He's on his way to Spain, I believe, making his way to his other home in Europe and uh, getting ready for Spanibus that's coming up pretty soon. All right, stay tuned. When we come back, we're live with a radical rant on how California is fighting to ban marijuana billboards, but not the alcohol ones, of course. Because, you know, the children. It's always, always about the children. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way.
Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to... Use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. The Sacramento Bee today reports that California considers a ban on roadside billboard marijuana ads. According to the story, quote, state lawmakers are considering legislation, Assembly Bill 64, that would amend California's recently passed Proposition 64 Recreational Marijuana Initiative by imposing stricter rules for marijuana advertising. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a very, very important issue. we got to jump on this right away. I... Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Yes, it's the children. We've got to worry about the children, folks. Imagine what their precious, innocent eyes would be exposed to if we let purveyors of legal adult drugs to advertise on billboards. Imagine! According to the story, quote, Proposition 64, which allows adults 21 and over to possess an ounce of marijuana and creates a framework for recreational pot sales by January 1st, 2018, banned marijuana advertisements on interstate highways crossing the border into California. The new legislation would extend the ban to prohibit marijuana advertising along any stretch of interstate or state highway in California. End quote. Yep, we got to act quickly, got to jump right on this, because every day that we don't snuff out the First Amendment rights of the marijuana industry is just another opportunity for them to corrupt our youth with sexualized images designed to entice them into a drug habit. Yes, we can't have that. We wouldn't want to have uh, any sort of uh, uh, drug advertising for legal drugs on billboards that might entice the children. That might use, you know, bikini models uh, to get them to think that drug use is sexy or something. Let me let me continue with the uh, story. It says, quote, Assemblyman Rob Bonta, Democrat of Oakland, one of the bill's sponsors, said the news legislation seeks to fortify Proposition 64 so that marijuana advertisements aren't seen by minors. Quote, 
We want to target adults and patients, and not the broader audience that includes kids in carpools and school buses and families, end quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The assemblyman is absolutely right. Oh, the kids of all ages are riding around on California's roadways. We must ensure that they're never, ever exposed to the kinds of messaging that would encourage irresponsible drug use. I mean, the idea that adults might consume some sort of drug and then then it was advertised on a billboard that not only adults could see, but kids in school buses could see it. We, we can't have drugs like that being advertised on California's roadways. This story is so important that the Los Angeles Times has also reported on this legislation. Their story is called Pot Ads Along Highways, Lawmakers Wrangle Over Legalization's Consequences. It says, quote, Bill sponsor Assemblyman Rob Bonta said, quote, We feel that all highways, and not just ones which cross state lines, are inappropriate venues for cannabis advertising, particularly as Proposition 64 required an adult audience for advertisements other than billboards, end quote. Well, inappropriate is right. By gum, cannabis is a drug that was legalized for adults over 21 only. Legal adult drugs advertised on state highways. Why? Why that would just allow the industry to target underage consumers and who knows what kind of debauched in imagery and messaging that big marijuana would use to peddle their drug. Why? They might have celebrities endorsing their drug right there on billboards on the roadsides where kids could see it. They might they might promote messaging that says that that uh, using uh, uh, drugs could lead to uh, a good time, sexually speaking. Why? We can't have our kids being exposed to that. Here's some more from the L.A. Times story. Quote, the concept of the bill is supported, uh, supported by Dennis Hathaway, president of the Coalition to Ban Billboard Blight, who said he has concerns about marijuana-related billboards he has seen popping up in Los Angeles. Hathaway fears the billboards will send a message to young people that using marijuana is fun without addressing the potential negative health issues involved. End quote. Yeah, uh, there's no limit to how the big marijuana companies might try to fool young people into thinking recreational drug use is an activity that popular, healthy adults engage in. Can you imagine if, if drug manufacturers were allowed to put billboards out on the streets that tied their product in with, say, oh, college football or with, you know, boxing or mixed martial arts? Why, if the kids saw these billboards that had legal adult drugs on them, that was tied into athletic events that are really popular, they might think that using drugs is something adults can do that are also healthy and athletically active people could enjoy. Well, we can't have that. That would be terrible. Let me continue from the story. It says, quote, It's totally not justified, marijuana icon and businessman Tommy Chong said of the legislation. It's stupid. It shows you how ignorant they still are. It's been proven that marijuana is not only harmless, but it's good for you. So what are they protecting? Who are they protecting? End quote. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course, Tommy Chong is going to say that the marijuana billboard ban is not justified. He's trying to build his own business. He he just wants to get richer selling his own brand of marijuana aimed at the children by promoting how it's the best marijuana and it's super potent. Can you imagine what it would be like if celebrities had their own brands of drugs and those and those celebrities might lend their name and their likeness 
to those drugs and, and have them advertised on, on billboards on the freeways where kids might see them? It would be terrible, wouldn't it? Here's some more from the uh, L.A. Times story. Quote, Broadly banning advertisements such as billboards along highways seems to go beyond what is reasonable, said Michael Leshevsky, Americans for Safe Access as Director of Government Affairs, adding, medicinal cannabis is a form of medical therapy and should not be regulated like alcohol or gambling, end quote. Yeah, I mean, some adults might be using cannabis in a responsible way and they might be using it in a medical way. But once we allow some of those marijuana companies to advertise, why, they'll all want to advertise. And then then our children will be exposed to sexist messaging that glorifies a partying lifestyle. Yes, California Assembly, you should muster up the two-thirds majority necessary to pass the law to ensure that the marijuana industry's ability to advertise on billboards is shut down. It's all about the children, you see. We've got to do whatever it takes to make sure the children never see a popular, mind-altering adult drug being advertised on the highways. And I'm sure that once the California Assembly has mustered the two-thirds majority necessary to alter Proposition 64 and ban these adult drug companies from advertising directly to our children, I'm sure they'll get right on mustering the 50% majority they need to ban alcohol billboards all across the state of California. This entire rant is based on a piece I've written up at weednews.co, and in that piece, I have interspersed numerous alcohol billboards that you can see all over the country. Folks, why is it that treat marijuana like alcohol never ever gets turned around into treat alcohol like marijuana. I refuse to believe that the California Assembly has the best interest of the children at heart when they can't lift a finger to stop similar and far more ubiquitous and egregious advertising from the alcohol industry. You drive down Sunset Boulevard, you drive down Santa Monica Boulevard, you drive down Weed, California, And you're going to find alcohol billboards in Spanish and in English. And you're going to see bikini models and you're going to see sports stars. Hell, one of the billboards that I've got in the piece is actually a Coors Light billboard. It says, give thirst the axe, proud partner of Cal Athletics, University of Berkeley, Cal, with their logo right there on a football, a silver football, of course, for Coors Light, the silver bullet. So that doesn't seem to be a problem for the California Assembly. Let's associate a shitty American macro brew with a popular, well, I don't know how popular Cal is these days, but with a a college sports team in the Pac-12. That's not a problem for the children. We're not worried about the children when it comes to that drug ad, are we? And let's not even talk about all the rest of the sorts of ads that we see on billboards, strip club ads, personal injury lawyer ads, pharmaceutical ads, all sorts of things that we see in numerous places that kids can easily have a view of. And nobody ever raises this hue and cry. Why is it that marijuana is suddenly this big concern that we can't let the kids... Oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right, because this is a culture war. 
It's okay if the kids get the messages about alcohol because alcohol is culturally acceptable. Has nothing to do with their health. Has nothing to do with their well-being. It's all about the culture, baby. And if they can't beat us at the ballot box, they're going to beat us at the legislature. They're going to beat us in the bureaucracy by trying to maintain our status as second-class citizens as long as they can. Well, I say, whatever they propose for marijuana, make that the law for alcohol, and I'm all for it. Well, maybe not. That's <laughs> all the time we got in hour one. Stay tuned. Hour two is next. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. Where you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. Or you can toke and talk. And federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. If you've got questions about marijuana legalization, maybe it's uh, about to uh, go into effect in your state, but you don't know how much you can have or where you can get it or how you can grow it or who you can give it to, we've got the answers here. If it has to do with the medical marijuana laws, the... Recreational marijuana laws, decriminalization laws. Hell, I'll even tell you about industrial hemp. Give me a call at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That line is open 24 hours a day. You can leave a message if you like at 650-LEGAL-MJ. And I would encourage you to leave your Festivus and or holiday greetings. Remember, next week is uh, Christmas uh, on, uh, what is it, Sunday is Christmas. And then uh, 
Sunday is also Hanukkah, so the beginning of Hanukkah. So all next week will be Hanukkah week. You can uh, send in your well wishes at 650-LEGAL-MJ. To start this hour, I want to make note of a post from the fired-up lawyer, Lauren Vazquez, out there. She was a a major part of the Prop 64 campaign to legalize marijuana in California. And uh, she is named the most fired-up pot activist of 2016. In the list, she has noted Students for Sensible Drug Policy, SSDP, fantastic group of college-age kids fighting for not just marijuana policy, but drug policy. So they deal with uh, ecstasy and pill testing and safe injection sites and all that kind of stuff, too. SSDP, great organization. Check them out at ssdp.org. Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad, the fired-up power couple, were critical to Prop 64's victory. They formed Friends of Prop 64 and spent countless hours debunking the online trolls, the stoners against legalization who wanted Prop 64 to fail. Also, the San Diego Prop 64 team is made note as the as a fired-up activist in 2016. Uh They held down San Diego, a critical region for the Prop 64 campaign. Bud Green was also noted. He's an online activist and spent countless hours, again, debating the trolls and stoners against legalization online. And also noted as a fired up pot activist for 2016, it's me, Radical Russ Belleville. What do you know? Hooray. Yes, uh, I was noted for standing up to stoners against legalization since the Prop 19 campaign in 2010. Talked about my show, traveling the country and so forth. I was also part of a uh, Prop 64 debate in October against the stoners against legalization. So, yes, uh, thank you very much, Lauren. Thanks for the accolades. And uh, given the company I was mentioned with, I really appreciate that because nobody's kicked more ass and taken more names than Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad. I got to say that. All right. Coming up in hour two, we've got a couple other topics to talk about today. A great study that has come out saying that people at higher risk for schizophrenia are likelier to smoke cannabis. Sounds familiar, but usually the way we get this handed to us is, ah, we see cannabis. uh, If you smoke more cannabis, you're more likely to have schizophrenia. This one's turning it around, saying if you're more likely to have schizophrenia, you're more attracted to cannabis. This may have a lot to do in explaining that correlation that we see with it never showing an increase in how much schizophrenia there is, no matter how much cannabis is used. If it works the direction this study says, that makes sense. No matter how many schizophrenics they are, they're going to want cannabis. Makes more sense. Also, uh, after our safety briefing, uh, we'll take a look at the state of Texas and uh, some of the moves there happening where um, they're tiptoeing toward decriminalization in the Lone Star State. That's some great stuff, folks. we got all that and plenty more coming up in Hour 2. Toker Talk Radio live from beautiful legal Potland, Oregon and Delta 9 Studios. We're back right after these messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. 
New Frontiers tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Mentions the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on cannabisradio.com. Don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a scum. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today in Hour 2, I want to take a look at this study that I picked up on. Uh, this was uh, researchers from the University of Bristol uh, have found an opposite association between cannabis use and schizophrenia. This is something that we've discussed many times on the show, especially in our cannabis Q&A segment with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. And our opponents like to tout this a lot. They like to say how cannabis use is associated with schizophrenia or is more likely to lead schizophrenics to have a schizophrenic break or, or a psychotic break, uh, how it supposedly is this uh, uh, problem for people with – leading to uh, problems with mental illness. And we've always criticized that. We've always said, look, that's, that seems to be looking at the problem backwards. It's not that marijuana use leads people to schizophrenia. It's that schizophrenia – leads people to marijuana use. It's that people that are beginning to have these schizophrenic symptoms of voices in their head or the stress or whatever else tend to want cannabis. They tend to seek out some sort of self-medication. And part of how we've backed this up over the years is by noting that despite cannabis use rates rising and falling uh, throughout the decades from what was it? A few hundred thousand cannabis smokers in the early 1900s, according to uh, Harry J. Anslinger, to over 30 million cannabis smokers now. 
We saw the peak of young cannabis use, uh, ages 18 to 25. That peak came around 1978, 79, where there was about 60% of the high school seniors that admitted to trying marijuana. We saw that peak in the late 70s. We saw it trough down there in the early 90s, around 1992. We saw the lowest rates of, at the time, of uh, kids using marijuana. And regardless, going all the way back to the early century when few people used it, 70s, a lot of people did, the 80s, it went down, the 90s, it went back up, and now we're up to 30 million people using cannabis, and yet the schizophrenia rates, they stay around 1%. No matter where you look, you look in the, in the legal states, the medical states, the prohibition states, countries like America, countries like the United Kingdom, Australia, you look at their rates of psychotic break, their rates of schizophrenia, their rates of mental illness don't correlate with the rise and fall in cannabis use. So it would seem quite obvious that if there were some sort of correlation, more cannabis use would lead to more schizophrenia. doesn't seem to be happening. That gives us credence to our belief that it's the schizophrenia that leads to the cannabis. Well, now we get this study that's backing us up. University of Bristol researchers. Now they they say they still need more in-depth research of this, but they revealed According to the story in Tech Times, quote, people at high risk of schizophrenia tend to try marijuana. <laughs> That's just the fact. Uh, Dr. Susie Gage is the researcher involved with this, said the findings suggest that individuals with schizophrenic risk are more likely to use cannabis. She says the association could be functioning in both directions, that there's still possible that the cannabis leads to the schizophrenia and the schizophrenia leads to the cannabis, but... The study doesn't accurately relate the risk of schizophrenia with marijuana use. <coughs> so in this study, in the press release, they said, quote, in this study, we could only look at cannabis initiation. What would really help progress this research is to use genetic variants that predict heaviness of cannabis use, as it seems that heavy cannabis use is most strongly associated with the risk of schizophrenia. This is a, the study's out today in the Journal of Psychological Medicine. Uh, this is University of Bristol in the UK. Uh, they found a causal link between trying the drug and an increased risk of the condition. A causal link. Having schizophrenia causes more likelihood of trying cannabis. Dr. Susie Gage said, quote, the evidence suggested that schizophrenia risk predicts the likelihood of trying cannabis. And uh, continuing saying our results use a novel method to attempt to untangle the association between cannabis and schizophrenia. While we find stronger evidence that schizophrenia risk predicts cannabis use rather than the other way around, it doesn't rule out a causal risk of cannabis use on schizophrenia. What will be interesting is digging deeper into the potential subpopulations of cannabis users who may be at greater risk and getting a better handle on the impact of heavy cannabis use. Uh, seems pretty, uh, pretty strong evidence to me here. I, I, again, it just seems simple common sense that if cannabis use caused schizophrenia, we'd be seeing a lot more schizophrenia these days. Now, We'd also like to find more research on the amount being used here and whether or not there is a, a level at which cannabis use could be beneficial 
to people with schizophrenia, but harmful if they use more. We found this in other respects when it comes to cannabis. Some of the uh, pain relief aspects of cannabis, we find that, especially with the neuropathic pain, we find that a moderate amount of cannabis helps, but too much, and you've actually exacerbated the pain. You've become more aware of the pain. This is something that is also going to be benefited by the legalization of marijuana. You know, we've talked about medical marijuana a lot, and this is something that, you know, kind of falls under medical marijuana, but but medical marijuana is always hamstrung by the fact that it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Now, this goes to another story that uh, is in the news lately, and it's how uh, Governor Hickenlooper out there in Colorado is trying to ratchet back the home grow provisions for people in Colorado. Uh, the problem isn't the recreational side, because the Amendment 64 in Colorado limits the grows there to six plants per household, but it's the medical side, the Amendment 20, the original medical marijuana amendment in Colorado, which allows patients to grow up to 99 plants with a doctor's recommendation. And they're saying this is too difficult to enforce. It's leading some of these people to get a card and then be able to grow massive amounts of weed, supply themselves black market, avoid the tax, ship it out of state, make great profit, and so forth. Also allowed in Colorado right now are collective grows. That is, I get my six plants and you get your six plants and we get his six plants, but all of our six plants end up in the same sort of collective. And and that, too, leads to these big grows that they feel are just diverting tax revenue and increasing black market. Now, the problem that, that exists here is the problem that's kind of unique to marijuana, and that is it can be both a life-saving medicine and a luxury stoner item, a luxury mind-altering substance, right? And, and that, because, that makes policy difficult, because uh, at WeedNews.co, one of our writers out there, Jason Barker, he's a great writer and a medical marijuana advocate out in New Mexico, points out the relationship between the doctor and the patient, right? Why should the government get involved in that relationship? And that a patient who has cancer and is going through chemotherapy might need, you know, half a kilogram of weed, uh, you know, in order to make his RSO for the next, you know, five, six weeks, his Rick Simpson's oil. And I am sympathetic to that point. I am sympathetic to that point that the cancer patient, the AIDS patient, these people are going to need huge amounts. They're going to need to grow 99 plants so they can have enough to make their highly concentrated super medicinal oils that keep them alive. The problem is those same plants are also a windfall to the recreational grower who wants to pack them up and ship them to Chicago and make three, four, five thousand dollars a pound. It's the same thing. Medical marijuana is fungible. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's the same damn product. So how do you set up a policy that recognizes, hey, the cancer patient needs 99 plants, but the guy with the knee ache, the guy with the back pain, the guy with the anxiety or PTSD probably doesn't need that much. And that means you're going to have this spectrum, right? You're going to have this spectrum of people highly deserving of 99 plants all the way to undeserving of 99 plants from absolutely using it for medical use all the way to definitely using it to make black market profit. And where do you draw the line? 
Well, you know, you'd think you'd draw the line at the doctor, right? The, the point that Jason makes of, you know, the government getting in the doctor-patient relationship is valid if we knew that all doctors were upstanding and ethical. But as we know from 20 years of medical marijuana, there's plenty of people out there who didn't graduate the top of their medical class that are more than willing to write a 99-plant recommendation for anybody who asks for it. So what do you do? Fortunately, Colorado's medical marijuana is a constitutional amendment, and so they can't just make some sort of law or regulation that restricts the medical growers from getting their 99 plants. But that's going to leave that, that loophole wide open, and the, let, the regulators are going to want to close it. They're going to want to close it for the tax revenue. They're going to want to close it to avoid the shenanigans of selling it out to the black market. And I don't know exactly how to address this. I, actually, I do. I do know how to address this. Legalize marijuana in all 50 states. Allow adults to have as much of it as they want. I, this sounds exactly counterintuitive to what Governor Hickenlooper wants to do, but that's the real only solution. The only thing that is requiring these limits in the legal states is the fact that we still have illegal states where there's huge profit to be made because of prohibition. Legalize it everywhere, and this won't be an issue. Oh, 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 oh. Of course, we're a ways off on that, aren't we? So in the meantime, we got to keep playing this dance with the regulators about limiting purchase amounts, limiting grow amounts, raising taxes, all this kind of stuff. It's going to be a headache for a few years now, but we'll uh, keep fighting the battle. Hey, happy 420 from the Pacific Time Zone. we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about tokers in Texas. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. 
If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why did I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour. I hope you had a great safety briefing. Quick reminder that we'll be on the air tomorrow with another live program here at CannabisRadio.com. But... Coming up over the next two weeks, we'll be off on actually the next <laughs> next four weeks. Three out of four Mondays will be off because uh, we'll be off the 26th because that's Christmas federal holiday. We'll be off the second for the New Year's federal holiday. And we'll be off on the 16th for Martin Luther King federal holiday. So that's all coming up here in the next month. Also, um... Also, my uh, 49th birthday coming up next month. I will go from being four dozen years old to being seven squared for you nerds out there. I'll be seven squared and then I'll be L for my Roman numeral fans out there. (laughs) And uh, speaking of L, uh, I'm trying to uh, continue my 50 states by age 50 uh, goal. For those of you who are newer listeners to the uh, program, I have a tattoo on my back of the United States and in every city in which I do a marijuana legalization gig or report, I place a pot leaf. And so with this, I have been now in the past 10, 11 years of my activism, I've done an event in, I think it's like 43 cities in no 69 cities in 23 States and three foreign countries. So I've got 23 of the states down. I want to get the other 27. It's going to take some work. <laughs> so if you know of an event, especially if you're listening to me from a red state and you know of a cannabis event where I could come speak or report from, please let me know. I'm RadicalRuss at gmail.com. You can send me an email. I would love to fly out to your red state and do a presentation on marijuana legalization, take some questions and answers. Coming up in May, I may have the opportunity to do just that in six states that I have never appeared in before. We may be going to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, although I've done Nashville before, so Tennessee's not new, uh, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you're in that swath of the United States come May, you may get a chance to see this show live. Wouldn't that be fun? I sure would enjoy it. Also looking to get around the uh, New England states. I still have yet to do an event in New Hampshire, Vermont, or Maine, or Rhode Island, or Connecticut, uh, or New York. Well, I've done New York. so But we'll get Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont, I believe, next September. Uh, I'll take some time out after the Boston Freedom Rally. 
Let's see if we can make that happen. So, again, try to do all 50 states by age 50. I think the hardest one for me to get to is going to be Hawaii. Uh, I'm going to have to do something real special to make it out to Hawaii, but we'll see what we can do. All right, let's take a, some of the news, uh, take a look at some of the news that's out there. Uh, one of the stories that came across my uh, news feed today kind of cracked me up. This is uh, out of Forbes.com talking about the new luxury marijuana marketplace. Yes, the new luxury. Now that marijuana is legal, you got people with more money than sense <laughs> that want to spend it on all sorts of marijuana things. Now, I. I don't uh, I don't fault anybody that wants to spend on this high end stuff, right? You want to buy a yacht, buy a yacht. That's America. Have have some fun. Uh what I do think is funny though is is just what people are willing to spend it on that's yeah, I don't know, not really really more flash than than substance here in a lot of this uh, situation. It's like, you know, remember back in the day, everybody's got that guy who had the super high-end bong. You know, the guy that goes and buys the five $600 bong, the four-footer, and it's got all the perks and the little twists, and it's a, and you never use it because it's a bitch to clean, right? It just sits there and looks expensive. And really, people buy that kind of stuff, I think, just to, you know, show off, show that they can buy a $5,000 bong or something, right? So anyway, this this piece in Forbes talks about the new luxury marijuana marketplace. And they're focusing on a, a group or, or a company that makes what's called the gold box, the AU box or AU, AU meaning the, uh, the uh, uh, periodic table uh, for the element of gold, AU, right? So this gold box is like this bark box and these other box companies that every month they send you a, a care package full of stuff. Well, this is the super high end marijuana box that they're sending to people. Uh, the kind of stuff that uh, comes with a high, high end black box uh, comes with THC infused coffee, 24 karat gold rolling pepper papers, uh, THC infused handcrafted marshmallows, you know, $3,000 joints. I mean, <laughs> it's just, some of the stuff people will spend money on, right? A one month trial is 150 bucks. It's 120 bucks for six months, hundred dollars a month for a one year subscription. So, so for thousand bucks every month, they can uh, send you highly expensive marijuana stuff. Uh, another company is called Club M. Uh, they've got a box that retails for a thousand bucks. They've got another one that's a two thousand dollar box. Uh, memberships, 97 bucks a month, invitation only. And then up in Seattle, uh, one of the, uh, one of the operators up there, Diego Pelliker, uh, they model themselves off of uh, kind of a Spanish cigar kind of model. And, uh, their store recently sold a marijuana cigar for $3,600. For a marijuana cigar. Now, according to the report, the marijuana cigar had 28 grams of flour and seven grams of oil. Wow. 28 grams of flour. So an ounce of flour and a quarter ounce of oil for $3,600. You know, marijuana legalization is going to make most of the weed cheaper. But in this case, (laughs) it's making it far more expensive. You know how much flour and oil I can get you for $3,600? But again, for these people blowing this kind of money, it's not about that. 
They've got all the money they could ever need. They're never worried about being able to pay the rent. They're not eagerly sitting by the mailbox waiting for the checks to come in. And, you know, more power to them. This is going to create jobs and create jobs for growers and shippers and packagers and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's interesting to me because it puts marijuana on a much broader consumer spectrum than it's ever been. Right. The, the, the spectrum has always been limited to pretty much dirt weed, mid grade, high end or top shelf, whatever you call it. Right. The spectrum of just three levels. <laughs> right. Poor, middle class and rich. That's that's all we've had. Now, this spectrum is going to get much, much broader. I think we're going to get this down to, you know, there's going to be the Marlboro weed. The Walmart weed, whatever you want to call it, mass-produced, outdoor-grown, machine-trimmed and rolled, mid-grade, decent THC. You're going to see that down to you know a buck a smoke or less. That's going to be down to the. That's going to be your you know fifty-dollar an ounce weed. And then that range is going to extend all the way up into this high end. I mean, we are only scratching the surface of what we're going to get as far as marijuana products go. Already, we're starting to see the advent of this uh, THC crystal. Heard about this stuff? The 99.7% pure THC. This is beyond extract, folk. This is like, you know, absolute concentration. This is your ever clear of THC. 97, like just a white crystalline THC. That's the direction this is going. And, And all sorts of products infused with this or sprinkled with this or mixed with that. We're going to see all sorts of artificial addition of terpenes into some of our products. We're going to see genetically modified cannabis. Hey, let's, let's graft on, let's, uh, let's splice in a little bit of uh, hops uh, gene into this uh, cannabis here. Let's make it produce more myrcene. Let's make it produce more, limonene let's make it produce more beta carophylline right that's the level this is going to get to really quickly (laughs) we're going to see all sorts of possibilities when it comes to the marijuana products we see now another story out there uh this is a news brief that we want to get to uh a court ruling in arizona that is a setback for prosecutors in medical pot dui cases is just updated. Medical marijuana users cannot be convicted of driving while under the influence of the drug, absent proof they were actually impaired. The state court of appeals ruled Thursday. In a major setback to prosecutors, the judges pointed out that Arizona, unlike some other states, has no law that spells out that at a certain level of THC in the blood, a person is presumed to be impaired. And according to the evidence here, there is no scientific consensus about the concentration of THC that generally is sufficient to impair a human being, according to one of the justices, judges. What that means is in every case where prosecutors charge a medical marijuana user with breaking the law requires an expert testimony to show that the particular individual was impaired at that particular level of THC. This is uh, good news for our side. And. Something that ought to just, this ought to be the case in every state and not just for medical marijuana consumers. Unfortunately, we've got it so ingrained into our heads since the 1980s that you can 
run some sort of blood test, run some sort of breath test, and get a magic number that tells you exactly that someone's impaired or not impaired. Now, that science is already a little fuzzy when we're talking about alcohol. Because people have different tolerance levels. Some people tolerate alcohol better than others. But even at least that science has some basis in reality, has some factual basis to it. It is is a dose-dependent relationship. We do see it uh, fairly consistently, this impairment when it comes to alcohol. I still don't agree with laws that convict us based on the content of our bodily fluids. I still, I will fight that till my dying day that we ever get judged by a court based on the constituency of our body, the constituents in our body. But that's a fight that'll have to wait a little while. Right now, let's talk about the marijuana fight. And the fact is, every responsible scientist will tell you There is no magic number for marijuana. You cannot say X amount of THC equals impairment. Cannot be done. Now, part of what's frustrating about this debate is the fact that driving under the influence of marijuana has always been illegal. Legalization did not invent cars and driving. Legalization didn't suddenly make driving while stoned legal. So over these past four or five decades of people smoking pot and driving, some of them have been busted and gotten DUIs and been convicted. So what changed? Well, what is it now that's going to prevent us from prosecuting and convicting people who are impaired under the influence of marijuana? Nothing. Nothing has changed from the cop's perspective. The cop still needs to patrol the streets, observe the drivers, find the ones that are problematic, pull them over, investigate their current state of being by looking at their eyes, smelling their breath, seeing if there's any alcohol, smelling if there's any weed smell in the car. Determining whether or not that requires further investigation, pull the person out of the car, do the field sobriety test. None of that's changed. That's exactly what they'll do now when it comes to marijuana. What what the problem is here, here's, here's my theory as to why these guys find it so problematic. Used to be when marijuana was illegal, people driving around on it would be very careful. Oh, I don't want to get pulled over. I got a bag on me. The cop finds out I got a bag on me. He smells the weed in my car. Why? He could then find the bag. And then if he finds the bag, he could lock me up, take me off the road. So the cops figure that without that, without the ability to pull the person out of the car and arrest them immediately merely for having the bag, the stoners are going to get away, get away with driving stoned. Well, that leads to one question. How, how could they get away with driving stoned? If driving stoned were such a problem, it would cause them to swerve and be noticed as impaired drivers. That's the thing that's unsaid in all of their concerns about stoned driving 
is the fact that they need some sort of test because without it, they can't tell we're stoned. That's the problem. It's not that they're going to pull someone over who's impaired and then not be able to bust them because it's pot. It's because they can't just pull over anybody for traffic things like they used to. And then based on smelling pot, elevate that to an impaired driving problem. There's no epidemic of people swerving and weaving and wrecking because of weed. If there were, again, like the schizophrenia we talked about earlier, wouldn't we have seen mass mayhem on the freeways by 1979, only to find a massive decrease of mayhem by 1992, only to see that mayhem increase after the 90s? No. All we've seen in all of the traffic fatality studies and data is a constant decline in roadside traffic in road traffic fatalities i should say nothing but a constant decline whether weed's gone up whether weed's gone down whether it's been prohibited whether it's been medical whether it's been legal whether it's been decrimmed doesn't matter a consistent decline and a decline by the way that's happening at a greater rate in the states with more access to marijuana than in the states without so this is a problem that doesn't exist. It's a solution in search of a problem. The cops are just bummed now because they just can't bust any stoner on the road they pull over. And they want a magic box that gives them that power again. And any sort of detection of marijuana metabolites in the breath, in the blood, in the urine, all it does is proves you're a stoner. Doesn't prove that you're stoned. And they're openly arguing for that. They're openly arguing they should have the right to just bust stoners. We found a stoner in a car. Must be impaired. And that ain't the case. In fact, the studies show that once you account for age and gender, marijuana-using drivers have no greater risk of traffic crash than sober drivers. Quit picking on us, by God. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You're going to be a... Great granddad. Pretty cool. <laughs> Morgan is Ray Dawn's son. Uh, Morgan and his wife, Tracy, they've been trying to have a baby for quite some time. <laughs> Did you hear what I said to Morgan? What? Do you know who the father is? <laughs> <laughs> the Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Marijuana is not addictive. 
But listening to the Russ Belleville Show is... At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 43 after the hour here in beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon. Coming to you live from Delta 9 Studios. And it's winter, folks. We're officially into winter because uh, the sun is already down <laughs> here in Portland. Yeah, 4.30, man. It's dark by 4.30. Cold and wet. Don't you feel bad for me? You can uh, make my holiday wishes come true with the gift of filthy cash. (laughs) That's right. We're making our holiday pledge drive this week and next week as we wind up 2016. It's uh, your last chance to donate for this year. You can send it to me via PayPal, Russ at RadicalRuss.com on PayPal. I think I've also got donation links set up at RadicalRuss.com. If I don't, I'll get those set up by the weekend. But uh, yeah, all sorts of uh, events coming up in 2017. And most particularly what I'm raising money for right now is the International Cannabis Business Conference in Berlin, Germany. So uh, I've got the hotel covered. I've got the event covered. Uh, I, but i got to raise some money for the plane ticket. And the sooner I buy it, the better as far as the prices go. So if you can uh, help out with that, please do. And uh, if you've got a business or a brand that would like a shout-out or an advertisement on the show, we've got those packages available, too, for 2017. Lots of big things happening. Lots of big surprises coming. So get in on the ground floor with the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Email me, RadicalRuss at gmail.com if you have any questions. PayPal me, Russ at RadicalRuss.com if you got some money. All right, let's uh, go back to the news on marijuana today. And uh, I want to follow up a little bit on a story from uh, NPR that came out uh, Sunday or Monday. I forget which day. But it was about um, this study on kids of pot smokers, babies, and they found in Colorado that uh, these kids, aged one month to two years, that were hospitalized with bronchiolitis. So they took urine samples, sent to the CDC, and found this. They had this new, highly sensitive test that could detect very low levels of marijuana metabolites. Found that 16 percent of those kids tested positive, and 75 percent of the kids whose caregivers said they'd been exposed to marijuana had traces of marijuana in their system. The researchers say, quote, there is a strong association between those who said there was someone in the home who used marijuana or a caretaker who used marijuana and the child having detectable marijuana levels. Now, this is a problem I find in a lot of reporting about marijuana, and that is detecting it is bad. Per se, just 
regardless. We don't we don't have to go any farther than that. We found we found tiny little tiny levels of marijuana metabolites in these kids. That's bad. It's just bad. Is it? Now, taking the samples from the kids that had bronchiolitis is a little bit of a uh, confounder. You're already starting with kids. It's not a randomized sample is what I'm saying. So we don't know what's going on here. We just know if someone has a kid and they smoke pot around the kid, the kid ends up with metabolites in their system. We don't yet know that that's a bad thing. But plenty of people try to paint it as if it is. First, they point on all these concentrations of THC cause developmental problems and uh, adolescents can cause the developing teenage brain to have problems so forth. We're talking about high levels in these studies and studies that aren't even uh, necessarily accepted as scientific fact. But they jump right from a kid being exposed to secondhand marijuana smoke possibly having a nanogram or two of metabolite in their system to some study saying that teenagers who smoke pot all day every day might have problems with attention, motivation, and memory. <laughs> that's how quick, that's the, the, the jump they can make. That's how far they can leap to try to find something bad about this stat. They spoke to Dr. David Boither, who's a pulmonologist, you know, lung doctor, uh, and he says their perception tends to be that it's safer than cigarette smoke, but he says they're wrong. Oh, here's his quote. There is no reason to believe that it is any safer than tobacco smoke exposure. End quote. No reason to believe that being exposed to cannabis smoke is safer than, mar- is safer than tobacco smoke. No reason to believe. Aside from perhaps Dr. David Tashkin another pulmonologist who studied at the University of California Los Angeles for 30 years worth of data a retrospective multivariate huge data analysis of every study they could find because Dr. Tashkin was damn sure just like Dr. Boither that there's no reason to think that it's any safer than tobacco smoke in fact Dr. Tashkin believed it was worse Dr. Tashkin went into that data saying, you know what? We're going to find that smoking gun, pardon the pun. We're going to find the smoking gun that shows that cannabis smoke causes cancer. We're going to find that it causes bronchitis. We're going to find that it causes COPD. And not just lung cancer. We'll look at the head cancers, the neck cancers, the throat cancers. We'll look at all that, too. And he dug into that pile, 30 years worth of data, and guess what he found, Dr. Boither? He found that not only was there no increased risk for head, neck, and lung cancers, no increased risk for COPD among the cannabis smokers, Dr. Tashkin found actually somewhat of a protective benefit. Dr. Tashkin found that the people that smoked cannabis actually had less chance of head, neck, and lung cancer, less incidence of COPD than non-smokers. That's right. Not than Tobacco smokers, obviously they did better than the tobacco smokers. They did better than the non-smokers. Maybe that's a reason to believe, perhaps, Dr. Boyther, that uh, the cannabis smoke might be safer than the uh, tobacco smoke. But he goes on. He says, quote, oh, no, wait, this is a second. This isn't Boyther. This is uh, Wilson from the study, Dr. Karen Wilson, pediatrician. 
who says, quote, Our hypothesis is that it is not good for kids. We strongly believe that once we do the research to document secondhand marijuana exposure, that we will see there is a negative effect on children, end quote. Okay, so somehow first-hand marijuana smoke is far safer than first-hand tobacco smoke. I mean, we see this from the fact that 400,000 people a year die from first-hand tobacco smoke. And what was that number again? Oh, yeah, zero die per year from the first-hand cannabis smoke. But once you inhale that smoke and then exhale it, they're equally dangerous? Is that how that works, right? Sure, sure. First-hand kills 400,000. Second, first-hand kills zero. But second-hand is somehow going to be equally dangerous for both of them. How does that work? The human lungs. How amazing the human lungs are to be able to convert relatively benign first-hand cannabis smoke into suddenly dangerous second-hand cannabis smoke. Ha, 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 ha. According to Boither, Boither, Dr. Boither says, quote, To a degree, we suffer from lack of evidence. Well, no shit. <laughs> and why do we have a lack of evidence? Oh, yeah, because marijuana is Schedule 1 and we can't study it. Ha, ha. So uh, he continues by saying, quote, Get it out of the house and away from your baby. Not in the car, not in the home. If someone wants to smoke marijuana, they need to do it outside, far away from your baby or your child. Because at this point, we believe the adverse health effects are probably as bad as secondhand cigarette smoke. <laughs> oh, well, great, Dr. Boyther. Then that means you're going to be there at the city council meetings and at the state house testifying for our need for cannabis lounges so that we can get out of the house, so that we can get out of the car and have somewhere to smoke where the kids aren't. And I'm sure, Dr. Boyther, you'll be there testifying for the assembly about how we need to ban these, or how we need to end these ridiculous bans on outdoor smoking, on public smoking, on not having any sort of outdoor venue or, or location where cannabis smokers can use their, their product. We need to end these bans on keeping cannabis out of public view. Because these people you're saying that they should do it outside, far away from your baby or your child, where is that, Doc? Where is that where people can't see it and get yourself, get yourself busted for some sort of uh, public toking uh, uh, ticket? Where is it, Doc? You can't have it both ways. You can't rail about how harmful the secondhand smoke is to the babies, to the children. And it's always the goddamn children that we have to somehow nerf the world for so that a kid will never, ever be hurt. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? And we got to do that because, oh, God forbid, an infant ends up with one nanogram of inactive THC metabolite in their piss. Yeah, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Can't have it both ways, guys. You've got to give us a place to smoke. If you're going to insist that we keep it out of public view, that we don't have a bar to smoke in, and that if our neighbors can see us on our back porch, they can report us, then you're going to have us smoking around our kids because it's the only place we can. One or the other, man. Make a choice here. And, and, and to be honest with you, I don't have kids, but I know a lot of tokers who do have kids, and most of the ones I know don't smoke around their kids. Most of the tokers I know keep it in the basement, keep it in the garage, keep it away from the kids for the most part. 
And until you can show me that a kid exposed to secondhand cannabis smoke is facing some sort of dire health risk, this all of this is based on well, it's better safe than sorry. It's better safe than sorry. We better we better just inconvenience the hell out of adults just to be safe. But we never seem to have that attitude with alcohol or tobacco. Never seem to have that attitude with alcohol or tobacco. Nobody's mandating that tobacco never be seen in public, never be advertised on billboards, never be seen by children. Nobody's advocating for bans on limits on how much alcohol you can purchase, limits on how much uh, alcohol you can buy at any one time or have on you at any one time. No concerns about the kids being influenced by there's no slowing down with silver bullet tonight. No worries about that. That's all cool. They can have music and cartoon characters and all sorts of fun, magical, beautiful people, sexy people. That's all cool. Somehow with marijuana, though, we've all come to our senses. Somehow, well, we, we were too late for the tobacco. We were too late for the alcohol. We were too late for the pharmaceuticals. We were too late for the fast food. We were too late for the sugary cereals. We were too late for the corn syrup industry. But this time, by God, now that it's pot, oh, yes, yeah, by God, we'll make sure that it's safe for the public. Why? Because they're bullies. They're bigots and they're bullies. And they know they can't pick on those other entities because they're too big, too well-established, got too many lawyers and too much money. But we're still infants. We're still new. We're still somewhat culturally looked down upon. We can still be picked on. Well, just like any bully, just like any bigot, you got to stand up to them. That's what we're doing here every day on the Russ Belville Show. Thanks for being a part of it. We're going to take a break and wind things up when we come back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. 
or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. All right, folks, that sound means that's all the time we got for today's show. But thanks for joining us. Appreciate having you here. Make sure you tell your friends we're available live on CannabisRadio.com and through podcast at iHeartRadio and iTunes, as well as Stitcher and TuneIn. And coming in 2017, I'll be back up on YouTube and possibly also Facebook Live. We'll have a video feed here from Delta 9 Studios. Nothing fancy. You'll just see me talking into a mic. But, uh, hey, some people like that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, getting ready this Christmas Eve, Vikings and Packers. Looking forward to that. And on Tuesday, Boise State plays Baylor. Got to have a bet with my friend Cliff Duvall out there in Waco. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth.